They used to believe in God. Now they started believing in no God. They used to believe before, they are still believing. Before doubt was repressed, now trust is repressed. Sooner or later, Russia is going to go through another revolution. When trust, when trust will come up again, and doubt will be thrown back into the unconscious. But it is all the same. You are moving in circles. In India, you are great religious people. It is all rubbish. Your so called religion is nothing but replaced doubt. And that is so in other countries too. <clears throat> This is not the way of inner transformation. Repression is never the way of revolution. Understanding, not repression. Try to understand your doubt. Try to understand your trust. Try to understand your no. And try to understand your yes. And then you'll see they are not separated. You'll see they are not separate. <clears throat> they are inseparable. What meaning can yes have if the word no disappears from languages? What meaning can no have if you don't know anything about yes? They are bound together, married together. They cannot be divorced. But there is a transcendence. There is no need to divorce them. <clears throat> there is no need to separate them. Don't try the impossible. Go beyond. Just watch both. This is my suggestion. Watch when doubt arises. Don't get identified with it. Don't get disturbed. There is nothing to be disturbed about. Doubt is there. You are watching it. You are not it. You are just a mirror reflecting it. And when, and when trust arises, there will be a little more difficulty in watching because you say, Trust makes me so happy. Trust makes me feel so beautiful. You will jump upon it. You'd like to become identified with it. You'd like to be known as one who trusts, as one who has faith. But then you will never get out of the vicious circle. Watch trust too. And the deeper you watching and the deeper your watching becomes, you will be surprised. <clears throat> Looking deep into doubt, you will find the other side is trust, as if the coin becomes Transparent, and you can see this side, and you can also see the other side. Then, watching trust, you will be able to see doubt hiding behind it. That moment is of great realization. When seeing that doubt is trust, that trust is doubt, you become free from both. Suddenly, a transcendence. You are no longer attached to either. Your bondage is finished. 
you are no longer caught in the duality. And when you are no longer caught in duality, you are not part of the mind at all. Mind is left far behind. You are simply a pure consciousness. And to know pure consciousness is to know real beauty, real blessing, real benediction. <clears throat> If you want to call that state trust, then you will understand my language. I call that state trust which knows nothing of doubt, not even a shadow of doubt. But of course, I'm using language in such a way that no, no linguist will agree with. But that's how it has always been. The mystic has something to say to you which cannot be said. And the mystic has to communicate to you something which is communicable. The problem for the mystic is what to do. He has something. And it is so much that he would like to share it. He has to share it. Straight, it, a sharing is inevitable. It cannot be avoided. It is like a cloud full of rainwater. It has to rain. It has to shower. It is like a flower full of fragrance. The fragrance has to be released to the wind. <clears throat> it is like a lamp in the dark night. The light has to dispel the darkness. Whenever someone becomes enlightened, he becomes a cloud full of rainwater. Buddha has called the man of enlightenment one who has attained a Maghashadi. Mega means cloud. Samahi means the ultimate consciousness. One who has attained the cloud of ultimate consciousness. Why does he use the word cloud? Because of this intrinsic necessity to shower. A man who is enlightened becomes a flower which has opened. The mystics in the, in the East. Have called the ultimate opening of your heart, of your being, of your consciousness. Sahasta, 1000 petal, petaled lotus. 1000 petaled lotus. When this 1000 petal lotus opens, how can you avoid sharing your fragrance? It is natural, spontaneous. It starts spreading into the wind. A Buddha is a man whose heart is full of light. A Buddha is one who has become a flame, an eternal flame which cannot be extinguished. extinguished. Now it is bound to dispel darkness. But the problem is how to give the message. You have a language which is based on duality, and he has an experience which is rooted in no duality. You are on the earth, he is in the sky. The distance is infinite, but it has to be bridged. And you cannot bridge it, 
Only a Buddha can bridge it. You know nothing of the sky. You know nothing of that inexpressible experience, that ineffable experience, that ineffable experience. But he knows both. He knows your darkness because he has lived in that darkness himself. He knows your misery because he has passed through it, and he knows now the bliss of ultimate attainment. Now he knows what godliness is. Only he can manage to bridge. Only he can manage to create some links between you and him. Language is the most important link between humanity and the Buddha. In fact, language is the most distinctive characteristic of human beings. No other animals use language. Man is man because of language. Hmm. Hence, language cannot be avoided. It has to be used. But it has to be used in such a way that you constantly reminded that it has to be dropped. And the sooner, the better. Drop both doubt and trust, belief and unbelief, skepticism and faith. Drop both. And then you and then see something new arising in you, which is not trust in the old sense. Because it has to it has no doubt in it in it, which is trust in a totally new meaning, with a totally new texture. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I call trust. Trust which is beyond doubt and your trust. Beyond both. Whatsoever you have known up to now. <clears throat> there is a light which is neither your darkness nor your light. And there is a consciousness which is neither your consciousness nor your consciousness. Which is neither your unconsciousness nor your conscious, which is neither your unconscious nor your conscious. What Sigmund Freud and Carl Gustav Jung called conscious and conscious are part of your mind. When Buddha talks about consciousness, he's not talking in the same sense as Freud and Jung. His consciousness is the witnessing consciousness, which witnesses the consciousness of Freud and the consciousness of Freud, which witnesses the, which witnesses the consciousness of Freud, and the unconsciousness of Freud. Learn to become more of a witness. Create more watchfulness. Let each act, each thought, be seen. Don't become identified with it. Remain aloof, distant, far away, a watcher on the hills. Then one day you'll be showered with infinite bliss. <clears throat> it is not harmful to an individual and also to society to live without the barriers of nose. Is it, not, is it not harmful to an individual and also to society to live without the barriers 
variants of norms? If so, then why do you preach that people should live as they like? Mind always goes the wrong way if not restricted. And who is going to restrict the mind? The mind of the society? Who's going to restrict the mind? The mind of the dead people? The dead moralists? The dead priests? Who is going to restrict the mind? You? Who are you except the mind? The first thing to be understood up to now, humanity has lived under a curse, under a curse. And the curse is that you have never been allowed to trust our nature. We have always been told, trust your nature and you'll go wrong. Mistrust, restrict, control. Don't go according to your feelings. We have been told that human nature is somehow basically evil. This is stupid. This is foolish and poisonous. Human nature is not evil. Human nature is divine. And if the evil has arisen, it has arisen because of restrictions. Now, let me explain it to you. You never see animals go to war. Of course, there are fights sometimes, but they are individual fights, not world wars with all the crowd all the crows of the east fighting with all the crows of the west or all the dogs of india fighting all the dogs of pakistan even dogs are not so foolish neither are crow crows yes sometimes they fight and there is nothing wrong in it if their freedom is violated, they fight. But the fight is individual. It is not a world war. Now, what have you done? You have replaced humanity, and you have not allowed individuals to be angry sometimes, which is natural. The ultimate total result is that everybody goes on gathering his anger, goes on replacing the anger. Then one day, everybody is so full of poison that it explodes in a world war. Every 10 years, a world war is needed. And who is responsible for these wars? Your so-called saints and moralists, do-gooders, do-gooders, the people who have never allowed you to be natural. Have you ever seen any dog killing other dog? Yes, they fight sometimes, but just fight. Never has a dog killed another dog, unless it has been trained by a man to do it. Man is the only animal who kills another man. No cow kills other cow. No crow kills other crows. No lion kills other lions. Man is the only species of animal who routinely kills its own kind. What has happened to man?
Has he fallen lower than the animals? Then who is responsible? One thing is missing from the animals. They don't have saints, moralists, priests, Christian and Hindu and Mohammedan and Jaina. They don't have. They don't have temples, mosques, Bibles and Vedas. That's all. That is the only difference. There are still a few primitive societies where down through the ages murder has never happened because nobody has poisoned their minds for morality. Nobody has trained them to be moral. They are natural people. When you are naturally when you are natural, you function harmoniously. Sometimes you become angry, but that is natural and it is momentarily momentarily momentarily. A person who has a person who never becomes angry and goes on controlling his anger is very dangerous. Be aware of him. He can kill you. If your husband never becomes angry, report him to the police. A husband who sometimes becomes angry is just a natural human being. There is no fear about it. A husband who never becomes angry will one day suddenly jump and suffocate you, and he will do it as if he is possessed. Murderers have been killing the courts down through the ages. We committed the crime, but we are possessed. Who possessed them? Their own unconscious. Replaced unconscious, exploded. Have you watched a simple fact? If you have a picture of a beautiful bitch and bring it to a dog, he will not be interested at all. If you have a picture of a beautiful bitch and bring it to a dog, he will not be interested at all. Dogs are not Playboys, not that they don't love bitches, they love them tremendously, but they will not be interested in a picture, in pornography, because to create pornography, pornography, you need saints. First, replace the sexual intrinsic instincts. First, replace the sexual instinct, the natural instinct, and tell people that it is wrong and evil. Then, when they replace their sexual instinct, the replaced instinct finds outlets. Now, it is difficult to go and watch a beautiful woman passing by on the road. They, then, what to do? Lock yourself in your room and lock the Playboy magazine. That is safer. Nobody comes to know. You can hide your Playboy magazine in the Bible, and you can pretend you are reading the Bible. Only man is pornographic. No other animal is pornographic. These are simple facts. Who has made man pornographic? Primitive peoples are not 
interested in pornography still or not. Women are naked and move naked without any fear. And what type of civilization do you say you are living in? A woman cannot pass through the streets without being pinched on the bottom, without being treated inhuman, inhumanly. A woman cannot walk in the night alone. And this is civilization, and people are just obsessed with sex 24 hours a day. <laughs> Who has given this obsession? Who has given this obsession to men? Animals are sexual but not obsessed, they are natural. When sex becomes an obsession, When sex becomes an obsession, it takes perverted forms. Perverted forms. And these perverted forms are rooted in the moralizers and their teachings. Oh, the so called Religious people have never trusted human nature. They talk about trust, but they have never trusted existence. They trust rules, laws. They never trust love. They talk about God, but their talk is just empty talk. They trust in the police, in the courts. They trust in hellfire. They trust in creating fear and creating greed. If you are saintly, if you are saintly and good and moral, you will have heaven and all the pleasure of paradise. Findus. Or if you're not moral, then you will suffer hellfire. And eternally remember forever and forever. These are fear and greed. They have been manipulating the human mind through fear and greed. And they want you to become free of fear and greed, that their whole teaching is rooted in it. They don't trust. I trust you. And I trust your nature. I trust animal nature. If nature is allowed its own course, yes, there will be a little anger sometimes, and there will be a little flaring up too, but nothing is wrong in it. It is human and it is beautiful, and there will be no war. Psychologists say. 
all your weapons are phallic because you cannot penetrate a woman's body. You penetrate somebody's body with a sword. The sword is a phallic symbol. It is beautiful to love a woman, but to penetrate somebody's body with a sword is ugly. But this is how things have been. You ask me, is it not harmful to an individual and also to society to live without the barriers of norms? You have lived with barriers and with norms. What has happened? Look at the state of humanity today. It is a neurotic earth, a great madhouse. This is what has happened because of your norms, idealism, perfectionism, morality. This has happened because of all your because all of your commandments <coughs> the whole earth has turned into a neurotic camp a big madhouse and still you are afraid and you are and still you go on this is a vicious circle it is as if you make a person fast and when he I don't see an app fast of course he becomes hungry it is as if you make a person fast and when he fasts of course he becomes hungry and he starts looking obsessively for food Then thinking and seeing that he was become obsessed with food, you put him in chains because otherwise he will break you, break into somebody's kitchen. Now you put him in chains because you say that if he is not put in chains, he is dangerous. He can break into somebody's kitchen. He cannot be relied upon. Then you put him in chains and you continue forcing him to fast. And then you become more and more afraid because he is going mad. This is a vicious circle. In the first place, why has he become so obsessed with food? You're discipling. You are discipling him too much with fasting has created this illness. Fasting is not natural. Yes, sometimes it happens in animals, but they don't believe in fasting. They don't have a philosophy of fasting. Sometimes it happens one day the dog feels sick and he will not eat. This is natural. He silently does not eat. He simply does not eat because he does not feel like eating. 
He moves with his feeling. It is not a rule. Nobody has taught him to fast. In fact, he will go, he will go and eat grass and vomit. The grass functions and helps him to vomit. He will vomit. Nobody has taught him. And he will not eat unless the desire to eat arises again. He moves with nature. When he feels like eating, he eats. When he does not feel like eating, he does not eat. This is what I would call real life. Okay, good. That's it.